The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. So, uh, hi, my name is Becky, and I show you that preview uh, to obviously preview tonight's talk. Uh, we're going to be talking about Into the Wild, but we're also going to be talking about what I believe is one of the main themes of Into the Wild, which is freedom. And I have to agree with the critic that was shown in that clip, by the way. I think it really was one of the year's best movies. In fact, I think it was one of the decade's best movies. It was double rainbow good, if you ask me. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Now, as you know, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, we're in the third week of a four-week series talking about movies, talking about spiritual themes, theological themes that we can see in movies. And two weeks ago, Ryan shared about Invictus, and last week, Steve Blacksmith from Young Life College shared about uh, the movie, uh, The Book of Eli. And it was great. See? I remember everything. Um, if you weren't here, or if you, um, any of those intrigue you, uh, you can always listen to them online. But like I said, tonight we're going to talk about Into the Wild. And Into the Wild is... Like I said, it's actually one of my favorite movies. And the first time I saw it, the next day, I like had to talk about it. I saw it with my best friend and her husband. And the next day, we were actually running a garage sale. And as we waited for customers, if you've ever run a garage sale, you know it can take forever sometimes. We talked about the movie and just not necessarily like what was great about it, but just questions we had about it. And we were wrestling with the main character. And I also had to go out. That very weekend, I went out and bought a copy of the movie because I was like, I just have to see that movie again. Um, I actually, I told that to Janie and she said, I saw that movie in theaters and then I went and saw it the very next weekend in theaters again. And if you know Janie, you know she does not see movies in theaters twice. Seriously. Um, I don't know of any other movies she's seen in theaters twice. Um, So it's one of those movies that just makes you think. And it also has a great soundtrack, Eddie Vedder's. Pretty, pretty money in that movie. Uh, he does the whole soundtrack. It's really haunting. And the cinematography is amazing. It's shot in Alaska, which is one of my favorite places. But I think it's really the characters that drew me in more than anything. And the, the acting is amazing. Emil Hirsch, who's sitting there on the bus, plays the main character, who is this tragic hero. Or maybe he's a tragic fool. It's kind of hard to tell, and I think that's why I love the movie. It makes me think, and it makes me question. Is he right? Is he a hero? And he's right. He's he's got it figured out. Or is he just an idiot? And he's totally wrong. And I think the answer is is really both. He's not 100% right, and he's not 100% wrong. And I think that's what makes people want to talk about this movie after they've seen it. So I'm going to talk about this movie for the next half hour or so. Um, but before we do, let's, let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for the word that you've given us tonight. Thank you for the freedom that you've already given us before we even ask for it. Lord, we pray that the words that I speak tonight uh, would be the words that you want the folks in this room to hear. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So into the wild is based on the true story of Christopher McCandless. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis if you haven't seen it or it's been a while. How many people in here have seen this movie? 
All right. If you have not seen this movie, I want you to raise your hand, right hand preferably, and repeat after me, I will go see this movie this week. Now, I'll warn you that you might hate the movie because I've talked to several people who hate it, but you'll probably have a strong reaction to the movie either way. It's, um, it's not a movie that I hear many people say, ah, it was all right. Um, so it's a true story of Christopher McCandless. Christopher graduates from Emory University. This is Christopher here on the bus. And he's a really smart dude. He's going to go to law school. And uh, he's really, he seems to have it all put together. But he's disgusted with his parents' abusive relationship. And he's totally disenchanted with the consumerism of the early 90s. And so he leaves his upper middle class existence and he goes on a journey to Alaska. He's going to go find freedom in Alaska. He actually burns, um, he burns up his car and leaves it so that you can't identify it. So the authorities couldn't identify it. He gave $24,000 that he had in a savings account to charity. And um, he just took off. And along the way, he meets a series of characters that he really, really connects with. But he also leaves, ultimately. So this is Chris. This is our main character. You're going to hear a lot about Chris tonight. Um, he meets some people like he meets Wayne. He actually works for Wayne for a little while in a, like a granary sort of thing. He meets Rainy and Jan, which Rainy is a pretty awesome name. There are a couple of hippies that are also kind of just don't, really homeless and just kind of wandering the country. He meets these two people, whoever they are, and then he meets Ron. And we're going to talk, we're going to actually see more of Ron later on. But it's kind of ironic to me that this movie that's supposed to be about this guy who goes away from society and isolates himself ends up being mostly about the relationships that he makes along the way. He's on a journey for freedom, and he calls it his spiritual journey for ultimate freedom. Now, we hear a lot about freedom in our society. What are some of the freedoms that we expect today in our society? It's not a rhetorical question. Like Freedom of speech, good one. Religion, indeed. That's it. Freedom to own a gun. It's just something like that. I believe it says bear arms. What's that? Sorry, I didn't hear you, Ellery. What? Freedom, period. Okay? Real freedom. That's what actually what we're going to talk about tonight. What is real freedom? Because really, to, to have freedom, it has to be freedom from something. Right? You have to be free from something. But you also have to be free to something. I say that because, well, my example is when I felt the most free in my life is when I was um, in school and I would finish my last final of the quarter. Oh, my gosh, that feeling of walking out of the room like, done. (laughs) Nobody owns me anymore. I am free. That's freedom from tests and studying. But it's freedom to do the things that I want to do with my time. Right? We want to be free from persecution, So that we have freedom to worship, right? Freedom from always comes with freedom to. They're just complementary. And we read about freedom in the Bible, one of the, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible that's often quoted totally out of context, is that the truth shall set us free. And in the movie, Alexander Supertramp, he talks about truth. He actually quotes Thoreau and he says, Above all else, above money, above power, above anything else in this world, I want truth. So his journey 
is a journey to find himself. It's a journey for freedom. But it's a journey where he's seeking the truth about what is freedom. And now another passage on freedom that's going to be our primary text tonight comes from Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia. Now Paul has written most of this letter to address the Mosaic Law and its place in the lives of those who follow Christ. I need the Bible for this part. So we're going to pick it up in uh, chapter 5. We're going, to, we're going to read verse 1, and we're going to jump a little bit. If you're wondering what we're jumping, it's all about circumcision, and Ryan's going to touch on that, I think, next week at the end, right? Um, actually, no, it's actually good stuff that talks about freedom from the law, but we don't have time to exegete it tonight, so we're going to skip over that. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. For, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Now let's look at, at just verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. We are no longer slave to the law. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means. We are no longer slaves to this world. And honestly, Chris gets this. Now, I talked to some of you who saw this movie. We had a showing of it last night. And some of you saw this movie and you just said, Chris is a total idiot. I hate Chris, and that's fine. I like that you had a strong reaction to Chris, but I think this is something Chris gets. He does not want to be a slave to the world. He, want, he doesn't want to be a slave to his culture. He doesn't want to be a slave to money. He says, money, money just makes us cautious. And you know, I think in a lot of ways he's right. It can make us cautious, but it doesn't have to. He doesn't want to be a slave to his fears. At one point, he says, I'm, I'm totally afraid of the water, but you know what? i got to get over it someday. So he goes and jumps in the ocean. Maybe not the smartest idea, but clearly something that he didn't want to be a slave to any longer. I have a feeling he sensed his call to actual freedom really deeply, and he was trying to figure out what that meant. He called his journey a spiritual one, and his spirit was crying out to be set free. Early on in the movie, his parents actually offered to buy him a car. He kind of drove this beater of a car, and they said, hey, for graduation, we want to get you a sweet ride. They didn't say that, but basically, they wanted to hook him up with a sweet car. And he said, no, that's not what I want. I don't want stuff. I don't want to be a slave to stuff. That's exactly what I'm trying to avoid. He got it. When it comes to not wanting to be a slave to things, He got it. And he didn't want to be a slave to comfort either. Obviously, look at him. He went to Alaska. Now, I've spent five months of my life in Alaska. Granted, it was over the course of like 12 years. But still, five total months in Alaska. I actually worked, spent time at Rainbow Glacier Camp in Haines, Alaska. And uh, quick plug, if you want to spend time in Haines, Alaska, I mean, that picture doesn't even do one tenth of the beauty of the place justice but um but it's a picture of me in alaska which is important 
to prove that I've been there. And I, this is not part of my talk, but I make the best s'mores, just so you know. If you ever want a s'more, my s'mores beat yours. Unless you're Janie, she might beat me. I don't know. She taught me everything I know. So um, I've spent five months of my life in Alaska. And I can tell you that Alaskans, they know how to rough it. They know how to be off the grid, so to speak. Uh, the first year I was there, actually the first several years I was there, we didn't even have electricity. Um, and that wasn't weird to them. That was just like, no, of course we don't have electricity. We run on a generator that gets turned off at 7 o'clock every night. So we brushed our teeth by moonlight, which was pretty easy because it stays light out really late there. But um, if we wanted to talk on the phone, after the first couple of years, there was a spot where if you had a particular cell phone, you could stand in this particular spot and if the weather was just right, the cell phone would work. I'm totally not kidding. Of course, now I hear they have a Wi-Fi maybe at camp, which is weird and wrong, if you ask me. But one, one summer, we actually drove up into the Yukon. And I don't remember seeing a single car the entire time we were up there. I remember seeing a moose in the middle of the road and trying to figure out what it was from a mile away. It was huge. We saw plenty of moose. We saw a couple bears. saw tons of eagles, but didn't see a single human the entire time we were up there. Um, so Alaska is remote, and that's exactly what Chris wanted. He didn't want comfort. He wanted to be free from needing to be comfortable. So I think Chris actually has something to teach us. For, for those of us, and, and there's part of me that wants to watch the movie and say, Chris, what an idiot. What is he doing? I think he has something to teach us about what it means to be free from commercialism, free from the need to be comfortable, and free from fear. I mean, think about it. How many times do you make a decision and make it based on what's comfortable? Or what is the safest decision? How often do we buy things because you're not feeling the best and I just need to fill this void? Like, I've been hurt. I'm going to go on a shopping spree and buy some shoes. That'll make me feel better. It probably doesn't make you feel better, but we do it if we're honest with ourselves. Or how often do we buy something because, well, everybody has it. I want to fit in. Chris understood that being slave to these things was never going to bring him the fulfillment he was looking for. So he set out on this great Alaskan adventure. And I admire him and his willingness to just leave behind comfort. Now, sure, he definitely had a bit of an idealistic, romantic picture of what it was going to look like, for sure. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of us have had at least fleeting moments of saying, you know what I need? You know what? what's going to actually help me is escaping. I just, I just need to escape this situation, and then I'm going to be fine. I just need to go spend time alone with God. Why am I even in school? What is the point? This is stupid. I'm out of here. Why am I in this job? I just I need to go be with God. Now, not many people actually act on this whim, but Chris did, and in a way, he was ahead of his time. Because... I mean, now anti-consumerism is, is pretty much everywhere. You know, kill your TV bumper stickers. You guys have seen those, right? No? Okay, well, they're everywhere, so you need to start looking. Um, so he was, he was a little bit ahead of his time, but as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, why does this not sit right? Like, he gets some, there's something he definitely gets, but, but why am I not just saying, yeah, man, this is a tragic hero. He, he was doing what was right, and... It just, things didn't happen to go perfectly for him. He knew what he wanted, and he just reached out and grabbed it. What a hero. Like, why can't I not just sit there and say, yep, 
he's a hero. Why is there part of me that's like, no, he's also a fool. He was so wise, really beyond his years, but he was also hopelessly naive. And I think the reason that it just didn't sit right to call him a hero was that, especially like the second, third, and fourth times I saw it, I said, he's totally forgetting about reality. He's being so selfish to just say, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave no tracks for my family to find me. I'm just going to go off into the wilderness. I'm going to forget about reality. I'm going to change my name. That's how far away he wanted to get from the reality of his life. He said, no, I need to do this. And I think there's a huge piece of the truth that he missed. If you look at our scripture for tonight, it didn't stop at verse 1. Notice the call of verse 13. We have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve. Now, it's kind of weird that Paul says, be free. You're already free. Live in it and serve. Because when we think about freedom, we think I'm not attached to anything. I'm free. I don't have to serve anything or anyone. Because Paul basically says, you have been set free from being a servant. Now, in your freedom, be a servant. What, Paul? You need to be less confusing. You need to stop with the run-on sentences and stop using words that contradict each other. But I think if we really look at the definition of freedom, about the truth of what freedom is, and what it means to be free in Christ, which is a term we hear tossed around a lot, but I think is really hard to understand. I still can't say I fully understand it. What does it mean to be free in Christ? I think a lot of people look at the Christian faith, let's say from the outside, someone who's not a Christian. Like, why would I want to be a Christian? And then I just become slave to all of their rules. I become slave to all of their laws. I won't be able to drink before I'm 21. Why would I want to do that? Why would I sign up for that? Or maybe as a Christian, you say, well, I can't do these things. I can't sleep with someone outside of marriage because I'm a Christian. It's the rules. But the truth is that we don't do these things because we are already free from them. We know they no longer have mastery over us. Christ has freed us from slavery to them. Now, that's not to say we have license to do whatever we want. Clearly, um, he says very clearly in verse 13 that, um, well, it's not up there, but he says very clearly in verse 13 that we are not to use our freedom to sin, to satisfy our sinful nature. There's the phrase I was looking for. Um, he says that very clearly. So we don't have license to do whatever we want. In fact, if you think about it, unrestrained license isn't freedom at all because then we're just a slave to our earthly desires. If we're truly free, we're free to serve one another. We're given one law, and that's to love one another. God says, engage the relationships I've given you. Care for your neighbor. Love each other. Now, unfortunately, Chris, as we see, runs from relationships. Instead of engaging, instead of forgiving, instead of working on 
what honestly are really difficult relationships. And I don't want to downplay the role of abuse in his family, but he didn't engage it. He ran from it, and he sought solitude. He rejected relationships. He ultimately rejects all of the relationships that I even showed you earlier of all the people that he met along the way. He ultimately rejects them and says, no, I need to go be by myself. I have a clip from the movie that I think illustrates perfectly both Chris's tragic hero-ness and, honestly, his tragic foolishness. It's a dialogue between he and Ron, that older man I showed you earlier. And Ron is a leather worker. And Ron teaches Chris a little bit of his leather skills. And they really learn from each other in their relationship because Ron picks, picks Chris up on the road when he's hitchhiking and he takes him home for dinner one night. And Chris asks him, hey, what do you do? And Ron shows him his leather shop. And Chris says, do you ever travel? And Ron says, I don't really get out much is basically his answer. So this scene that you're going to see is Chris showing Ron the leather that he has worked on. He's showing the, it's a belt that he has made that kind of chronicles, chronologically, that's interesting, how, um, where he's come from on his journey and where he plans to go. And as you watch, notice the give and take of Ron and Chris as they learn from one another and teach one another. About a river all the way down through the Grand Canyon and did rapids, which was by far one of the scariest things I've ever done. And I took the Colorado down into Mexico, Golfo, where I got stuck in Salvation Mountain, the slabs. What's the end stand for? North. Alaska! You know, I could ask you the same question, except I already know the answer. Oh, you do, do you? I do, Mr. Franz. You got to get back out in the world. Get out of that lonely house, that little workshop of yours. Get back out on the road. Really? You're going to live a long time, Ron. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. And there you are, stubborn old man, sitting on your butt. Sitting on my butt? Yeah. Ha! I'll show you sitting on my butt. Stubborn old man. I'll show you. Come on, then. Come on. Sitting on my butt. Ha. Yeah. Come on, old man. Come climb it. Sitting on my butt. Come on. Keep going. Ah. <laughs> ah. You're doing great. <sighs> keep going. Keep going, Ron. Yeah. Can anybody see this, God? Are you watching this right now? Yeah. You all right? Ah, yeah, little. Clear the head. 
you too, Ron. But you're wrong if you think that the joy of life comes principally from human relationships. God's placed it all around us. It's in everything. In anything we can experience. People just need to change the way they look at those things. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take stock of that. No, I am. tell you something. From the bits and pieces I put together, you know from what you told me about your family, your mother and your dad. And I know you got your problems with the church too. But there's some kind of bigger thing we can all appreciate. And it sounds like you don't mind calling it God. forgive your love and when you love God's light shines on you cut up before he swears see for you Chris haters out there or actually at this point he's technically Alexander Supertramp Ron really did have something to learn from Supertramp. He needed to be set free or to be reminded to be free from being a slave to comfort or a slave to his fears. You see, Ron has lost his family. So he's alone and he's tempted to just stick with what's comfortable. Stick with what's not scary. And clearly, Supertramp needed to be set free to forgive. What he doesn't get, in this scene anyway, is the freedom that comes with forgiveness when you let go of being a slave to bitterness and anger. He even tells Ron, Ron, you're wrong if you think that the joy in life comes from human relationships. You just, you just don't get it, Ron. And that's, that's where Supertramp missed the mark. Because while he's right that God is everywhere and we can see God in everything... God created us for relationships. And when we miss that reality, that that's what God created us for, we miss the freedom that God wants for us because God set us free from being a slave to the law. He set us free from being a slave to our sin. And he set us free to love each other and to see him, to see God in one another. Now, I'm not going to show the end of the movie, because that would be wrong. But I don't think the Chris at the end of this movie would say what Supertramp says here. In fact, we see in, in one scene at the end, we see that he gets the need for human relationships. He has this tragic epiphany that happiness is not real unless it's shared. And he doesn't even have anyone to share this epiphany with, so we just see him write it in his book. 
happiness is only real when shared. And he also, he reclaims his name. He starts to get, I need to name reality. And he signs a note that he leaves as Christopher McCandless. He realizes, I'm not Alexander Supertramp. I need to claim who I am. I am Christopher McCandless. He gets it. He went to Alaska trying to find himself, and he finally realizes that the keys to living a rich life are investing in community and investing in the commitment to name reality. Now, like the Chris from the beginning of the movie that's totally disenchanted, I can identify with the hope of becoming something better, something truer than I've already become. And I identify with the questions that he asks about freedom and how can he be free from society and how can he find true freedom. But we can't live in the freedom that Jesus offers unless we live in the truth. It is the truth that sets us free. Truth is what is freedom. We have to seek truth. And that means existing in our own reality. We have to call things by their rightful names, as he says in the movie. We must embrace who we are and live out of that, free to love one another. Faith is not about escaping the past, though sometimes it's tempting to just want to escape. But it's stepping into relationships, the relationships that God has given us, and discovering what we have to gain when we find our freedom in the truth that we are loved. And that we've already been set free by Jesus' act of grace on the cross. We have already been set free. Paul doesn't say, you will be free once you die. You will be free if you follow Jesus the right way. He says, Jesus has already set us free. And that freedom is a freedom to love others. Now, Chris thought He needed to go into the wild to figure out his life. And the lesson he discovered when he got there was that the relationships he made along the way were what brought the freedom he was looking for. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the relationships that you have given us. And we honestly ask for your forgiveness for the ways that we have run from those relationships and from ways that you have called us to serve in those relationships. Lord, we ask that you would remind us of the freedom you have already given us and help us to live into that in truth. Lord, uh, we love you. We thank you for this night, and we pray this in your name. Amen.